Hey, welcome to our little show. This is Jeff Ward interrupting the other people that are talking so I can interrupt them so I can talk. Then they interrupt me again. It's kind of the way it works. So here's how it works. I riff on stuff and you react. It's pretty straightforward. The phone numbers, you will need them. Use them. Uh, we're really low tech right now, so it might be the best path forward. It's 512-834-1027. That's 512-834-1027. Call or text. You know, if you send a text that I respond with a smiley face emoji almost immediately. Uh, you can also send comments via Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter or X or whatever we're calling it this week. It is at Jeff Ward Show. If you send comments... Please don't suck. Get straight to the point. Make the show better. Also, make sure you check out the show podcast whenever we are technically able to upload it again. Uh, the Jeff Ford Show podcast is available wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe to it. Also, subscribe to the YouTube channel. We drop that each afternoon. Well, when our computers aren't fried. Each afternoon. So check it out. So about the fried computers, if you, if you didn't know, I'm sure we've broken every kind of protocol there is when you've been hacked. I guess you're probably not supposed to acknowledge it or talk about it or something. I don't know. Um, but here's where things are. It's going to sound less dry today because I guess we've made progress and have actually have email now. But apparently the hacking fried the computers I know of no ransom demand. The only other fallout from the hacking, this is not a joke, the only other fallout from the hacking other than the fried computer systems that play songs and sound clips and stuff like that is uh, the release of Ed Clement's nude photos. <laughs> Otherwise, no money has changed hands, no crypto, just naked Ed. That's it. That's the only downside. Now, you know this. Uh, I think we can pull this off. We'll give it a shot. Um... I'm on an email chain with record executives who uh, compile data from focus groups about the worst songs that have ever been made. And then I'm on that chain. And now I think that we have email again. Brandon is on that chain. So we just play back some of those songs of the worst songs ever made that no one in their right mind would ever like. I call them songs that suck. That's a red flag. Yeah, well, that's a big red flag. I didn't catch the red flag, but trust me, I wish I would have. I vaguely remember it came off the rails. Maybe hearing this song by John Waite, Missing You, 1983? Four. So close. Yeah, it was somewhere in there. Yeah, I should have probably bailed at about the 12th time that she played this song that night. But I had some Mickey's Big Mouth, so that uh, that kept me in the game for a while. Your brain was elsewhere. <laughs> exactly. I got you. Yeah, I got I you. Mickey's Big Mouth fair. fog That's going fair. on there. So, yeah, that and her Jordache jeans and Cape of High Tops kept me around. 
Uh, let me do a buzzkill right off the bat. You know, everybody knows the term sport washing. If you didn't know it before, um, you know it now. And just sort of a, a recap of what it really is about. Um, you learned it this past year with the whole Live Golf Tour and that kind of, and that in the fallout. But it's been around for a long time. It really made its... Uh, it made its name with the Olympics, but it certainly was all about the World Cup being in Kuwait. They didn't care what they paid. They didn't care who died. They didn't care what awful human rights abuses took place. They just wanted to make sure they got to put on a show with famous people and a bunch of commercial ad time. That's exactly what the World Cup was in no, it was in Qatar. Sorry, in Qatar. It's really about using sport, celebrity of sport, the passion of sport to cover up human rights issues. Got it? The Saudi regime, current Saudi regime, just like the previous Saudi regime, has practiced sport washing on steroids. I mean, it is full speed ahead, no apologies whatsoever. And there's no plans for them to stop. What's next? Um, if I'm not mistaken, the women's tennis tour is next, which is odd and ironic to say the least. The men's tour, probably anybody that needs money or wants money for their sporty, sport league, then the Saudis will just jump in and fund it. Uh, they've done that with the Premier League and English soccer to a degree. I think the NBA, by the way, is probably next up. The NFL, not so much because there's a hard salary cap, so the money just doesn't matter. So... There's that. I mean, you, you now are aware of it. Um, I, I think a lot of people don't care. I, a lot of fans don't care. They just want to see a great show, and that's good enough for them. And there are people that are bothered by it, rightly so. But th th that's not the whole point of why I'm even bringing this up. There's a few things here. One, there is how unapologetic the Saudi regime is about sport washing. And you'll hear it, I think. And also this. When did the Republican Party become so Saudi-friendly? Where along between 9-11 and now, when and where did this happen? Is it is it like this, I think I know, I guess, is it sort of the newfound fondness of dictators and nationalism, that kind of thing? I mean, is this, is this a Trump thing? There, not that long ago, I know because I've been sitting behind a mic for a long time, not long ago, after 9-11, the Republicans were wanting to raid mosques. Anything Saudi, any mention of the Saudis, any defense of the Saudis was met with a full-on attack. It wasn't that long ago. Now, I mean, not that the Biden administration hasn't been Saudi-friendly themselves. I, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is this complete about-face among Republicans is plainly obvious. I mean, it's very obvious. And I'm going to give you examples of how obvious it is. So it, the Republican Party used to have, and publicly, and very much so publicly, absolute disdain for the Saudis. Not anymore. Now, the Saudi crown prince knows exactly who he's talking to. This wasn't an accident. Um, most of the sport washing is, is very strategic. And he's admitting to the strategy. My point is, why Fox News? He knows there's got to be some American PR firm 
that is guiding this. And I'm not kidding. There has to be. There has to be deep knowledge of American media and what moves American media and who the target audience is for the Saudis. There has to be. He did this interview on Fox News for a reason. He did. Um, The questioning, by the way, wasn't wrong. The answer is eye-opening. But he's not talking to Fox News by accident. Nothing they're doing is by accident. And certainly talking to Fox News, you know exactly who you're talking to. It's just amazing who they are intentionally talking to. So there are two parts. One, Saudi's, the sports, Saudi sport washing effort. Um, and I, these two go together, by the way. And I think there's another side of this that people don't quite pay attention to that he answers to. But there's the sport washing. It's the reason Qatar had the World Cup, even though its human rights record is, is awful. So one is to cover up the image, the Saudis' terrible image on human rights records and an oppressive regime. And number two, to drive tourism and investments. Okay. Um, the, the, the crown prince is not only investing in sports to buy better PR, and they're admitting it now, but the end game is also to drive up tourism and investment, knowing that the world, certainly the Americans, are going to be less and less dependent upon Saudi oil. So he sits down with... This is why I'm asking the question. When did this happen? He sits down with Fox News. You are spending a ton on sports, a lot of money. Big names that people are very familiar with, big teams, big facilities. What do you say to the people who charge that that's part of sports washing, that you're trying to use all of that to somehow improve or somehow affect your image in the world. Well, if sport washing is going to increase my GDP by 1%, and then I will continue doing sport washing. <laughs> You're okay with that term? I, I, I don't care. I have 1% growth of GDP from sport, and I'm aiming for another 1.5%. Call it whatever you want. We're going to get that 1.5%. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, by the way, don't laugh. Uh, interviewer from Fox News, I, that's not funny. I don't think he anticipated that answer. If you didn't hear the crown prince, look, you got to understand they're running around the world. This isn't an exaggeration. Running around the world with a trillion dollars to buy stuff. You got a sports league that people watch? We'll take it. We'll fund you. We'll make you better. What do you want? But his response was, I don't care what you call it. If I get an increase in one to one and a half GDP, that's all I care about. That is exactly what he said. Now, he's being brutally honest, as I said, and I hate to dump economics on you, but it's true. I mean, that's that's they're not just doing this. So we try to so they deflect our knowledge and our concern about how they operate, how oppressive they operate, their awful human rights abuses, all that stuff, that's part of it. But the other part is we need you to like it. We need you to spend money. We need you. We'll use whatever means necessary to get you to invest and buy tickets and show up here. And, wow, are we able to play that again? Follow the questioning by, and by the way, why Fox News? That's not accidental. When did they turn? Like, when did they become so Saudi-friendly? Is that Trump? Is that just about Trump? Is that when that happened? It's an honest question. 
You are spending a ton on sports, a lot of money. Big names that people are very familiar with, big teams, big facilities. What do you say to the people who charge that that's part of sports washing, that you're trying to use all of that to somehow improve or somehow affect your image in the well, world? Well, if sports washing going to increase my GDP by 1%, and then I will continue doing sport washing. <laughs> you're okay with that term? I, I, I don't care. I have 1% growth of GDP from sport, and I'm aiming for another 1.5%. Call it whatever you want. We're going to get that 1.5%. Please don't chuckle. Don't chuckle at that. Uh, I, I don't know much about Brett Bear. He has a very large head, but don't chuckle. That uh, it, it's it's serious. The dude is serious. The regime is serious. These are really really serious issues here. Um, I, 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 he was caught off guard. I, I know. I don't think he expected that coming back. But you can't laugh. Slowly coming back, technically. Songs that suck on Friday. What is Joe Cocker even thinking at that time? Alright, that's Joe Cocker and I believe Jennifer Warren. Warrens? Warrens. Warrens, okay. About the best I could do. Thank goodness I don't know anything else about her. Uh, this is horrific. Probably a lot of you had a slow dance to this, which means you sucked on somebody else's neck or face, side of their head, whatever it was. This is so bad, it wasn't even played at a skating rink. Uh, okay, lift us up. Love lifts us up, I guess. Up where we belong, oh. from an officer and a gentleman. Yeah. Richard Gere. Is that when he runs in the factory and scoops up Deborah Winger? Couldn't tell you. Never seen it. Huh. But yes, in the according to the music video yeah. that just happened. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, so in the end... He goes storming into, why, why do I want to say there are a bunch of sewing machines in there? <laughs> like, it was so 80s. And he goes running in, scoops her up. What a guy. Yeah, what a what guy. What a guy. What a career she had. Wow. I forgot it was from that movie, um, which I, I'm not sure. I think the movie may have been okay. I don't know. His friend killed himself. Uh, all right, so that that's going to be 80, uh, I'm going to say 81 or 2. 82. Yeah, that's too bad. I'm sorry I know that. That's that's just awful. Uh, I'm one of a few people that think this, and there's a story in the USA Today about the exit of Oklahoma and Texas to the SEC, and it's not quite... Turns out it's not quite what everyone thought. Um, look, they, they want to go, they're going to go. They want to chase a bigger deal. They were going to chase a bigger deal. How they exited, how the breakup happened, I don't know that the average person cares. 
Um, but USA Today has a story about how the breakup went down. And then maybe more importantly, what the Big 12 turned around and did with Colorado. Now, think how genius this move turns out to be. I don't think the move by Texas and Oklahoma to the SEC is all that genius. I don't. I don't agree with it at all. I'll make an argument that something better could have been done. Nobody wants to hear it. I think I'm on an island by myself. But I think an even more amazing and impressive move was the Big 12 giving Colorado a bonus, a signing bonus. What I don't know is, did that signing bonus happen before Deion Sanders became the head coach? And I think it did. That's a nice roll of the dice. All right, so USA Today story. So Texas, Oklahoma were to pay a steep price for leaving Big 12 early. That's not how it turned out. So the Big 12 tried to brag and be cool. Look, no one, put, te- Texas pushes everyone around, okay? They are the 800-pound gorilla. So whenever you hear a story, just assume they're going to own the other side. So when the Big 12 was saying, acting as if, well, they bought their way out. Yeah, not really. They said, screw you. I think it's a bad move. I do. Uh, In terms of the money, though, what Texas and Oklahoma will, the Big 12 said they're going to give up $100 million to get out. Um, The conference said more than $80 million of that is based on money the schools will not get in 24 and 25. Um, Blah, blah, blah. But... You know, it doesn't matter to them. What I think is, uh, first of all, I don't think it's that smart of a move. I I, I don't. (laughs) Um, Unless you want to argue the other half of what I'm going to say. I think I'm the only person that thinks that Texas running to the SEC is a mistake. In my lonely opinion, they could have created something much better, and I believe probably long-term something much more lucrative. Um. I guess it's possible, and maybe they know this, that they decide to run to the SEC where, and I don't hear people make this, all I hear is people being fanboys and going, yeah, yeah, they get to play Georgia and Alabama all the time, blah, blah. It's not true at all. But I think if somebody wanted to make an economic argument, you might be able to see the other side of this and say, hey, look, for Texas, they go to the SEC they will have a huge economic and branding advantage. Now, they have a huge contract. The league has a huge contract with ESPN. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about they are now in a world with name, image, and likeness of schools that cannot keep up with them. So if you want to make an argument they went there because they will be the wealthiest kid on the block by far, okay, I don't hear that very often. All I hear is fanboys. So, in other words, they went to a league where the schools cannot spend. They don't have an alumni base. They don't have wealthy alumni anywhere close to the richest school on the planet. Or number two, I'm not sure. I think it is, depending on the price of oil. Um, And they can't spend like Texas. But I I don't think there's that much of an upside for fans on on the SEC. There could have been something much bigger and better. What Texas could have done, because they call all the shots... They get to do whatever they want. They could have been proactive. As usual, it's an industry that's dumb. It's an industry that's stiff. It's an industry stuck in, its, in the mud. They could have been in a league, I think, with probably only one phone call, maybe two, one Zoom for sure. 
with USC, UCLA, Washington, and the Swoosh. It could have been those brands. They could have made that. That's better than you're hoping that you got four brands in the SEC. The top half of the SEC has some big brands, but I think those are going to diminish over time. I do. I think we're starting to see that crack a little bit by name, image, and likeness. They just don't have the money. Yeah, Georgia, Alabama, LSU, and Florida are big brands. How many of those are in the top ten right now? Huh? Um, I mean, all these great football games that fans keep talking about, I mean, it's all over here. Oh, can't wait. Can't wait for what? Play Vanderbilt? What are you talking about? Arkansas? Really? Um, you get two of those four, the four big brands. You get two of them every, every few years. I mean, Texas already has that. <laughs> they can play wherever they want. Texas never needs the money and because it's the richest blue blood there is. So I, I don't know that just doing it for money makes that much sense when I think you could have had a bigger and better league. Texas could have created a better league. It would be a more lucrative league. It would be a league with more bigger brands. You can just see it present day. So they could have easily, in my opinion, they could have easily created a mix of the Big 12 and the Pac-12. And that would have included USC, UCLA, Washington, and the Swoosh right off the bat. They could have made that happen. One call, one Zoom, and that deal is done, and it's a better league. And don't tell me USC and UCLA wouldn't want to stay home and say, sure, man, you got it, Texas, let's do it. They they didn't need to run off to the Big Ten. You don't think they would have preferred to have a bigger, better league by staying at home? Same with Texas. Everyone panicked. And they chase the top end of the SEC. When you look at the present day, I know you go, well, Georgia's won the last few championships and Alabama, blah, blah, blah. You saw Alabama play. Yeah, that's going along really well, isn't it? Look at the Pac-12 right now. I think, I think Texas could have made it happen. And oh, by the way, you get to inherit Colorado and Deion Sanders before he goes. And you know what? You had a league like that, that powerful, with his foot in the door in the state of Texas, I'm not quite sure he would leave then. The league would be that good. You play 11 or 12 games, they could have had this. They could have had this. They can't now, I bet. But they could have played 11 or 12 league games. You play one non-conference game, and you tell everybody up front, that's for A&M. Done. Problem solved. You got a better league. I don't know why. I mean, everyone's in love with this SEC marriage, and you get... Four big brands and two of them every now and then. That's it. And one of them, a couple of them are slipping. And I think they're going to continue to slip because of how the game is structured now with rich people handing out money. That's the game now. Yeah, I mean, Texas will be the richest kid there, but um, I'm not sure it makes for, I don't think it makes for a great schedule. Is it too late? Yes. Yeah, it is. Um, I mean, there's no, no way the Big Ten is letting USC and UCLA uh, and Washington and the swoosh go. No way. Okay. And the SEC is not, I mean, as powerful as Texas is and gets to dictate the terms, the SEC is not going to say, oh, I see you guys want to do something else. That's cool. We'll replace you with uh, SMU. That worked out well. 
So no, they're not going anywhere now. They're not going back. He won't turn back. And this is just my opinion, and I'm all by myself on this one. I just, I, I just hear the love affair with this Oklahoma Texas move to the SEC, and I think it could have been so much better. And yes, by the way, you kick the Kansas schools to the curb, and same with Iowa schools. You say Iowa and Kansas, you're out. We're going west. Deal done. Goodbye. And you get better games, more money. Better trips. You're aligned with more people like yourself that are big spenders. But the big brands panicked. The biggest brands in college sports all panicked, and now they cannot go back. One guy cutting off other guys talking. That's the way it works for a while. Um, we were hacked, and so what Brandon tells me that fried some of our systems that play back audio. Again, no ransom was exchanged, just Ed Clements' nude photos have been released. That's it. And no one's paying to get them back. So enjoy them. Laugh all you want. Scream all you want. Be turned on all you want. God help you. That's all that happened. How are we playing this back? I don't really know. <laughs> I'm not quite sure. Uh, Friday, we do songs that suck. We've had some fun. Hmm. Yes, we've had our ups and downs Been down that rocky road But here we are still around We thought about someone else But neither one could oh, Huey Lewis in the news. I- I'll say this for them. Yes, the song sucks, and it makes me want to pour gas on my head, but they didn't try to be anything more. You know, I think he kind of owned it. I'm a goof. We're not exactly doing great art here. It's pop of all pop. And they kind of made fun of themselves. I'm not even sure they had more than one album, but that one album probably gave them mailbox money forever. All right, that's Huey Lewis in the news. Here comes the name. Stuck with me? Stuck with you, but whatever. Uh, I'm going to feel as if this would have been... Eighty-five, man, you are one off every single yeah. time. Eighty-six, okay, my birth year would have been the. Uh, I believe it was the summer of eighty-six because I think they sang at the World Series. Were they at the Bay Area World Series when the earthquake hit? Am I right about I that? I want to say they were. I don't know. I just. Uh, well, it sucks, but I mean. I hate to rail on them too much because I do feel as if they would, in a quiet moment, they would laugh at themselves. Yeah. Lighten up, Ward. What do you think? We're not exactly trying to do great art here. Just doing some pop songs and cashing some checks. Get off us. Uh, Paul Feinbaum has um, went, went there more than I've gone there and my criticism over a year and a half of Alabama No, I've never suggested it's a bad program. It's produced more draft picks than any other program. Uh, Saban will go down as the best coach the college game has ever known. I've been saying for a year, now a year and a half, that they don't play very well. They just are not 
very disciplined. They're kind of a mess with a bunch of talent. So Paul Feinbaum does a talk show. I help me midday or something like that, right? All about the SEC, and he went all in on ESPN. You mentioned Nick Saban really struggling, even in a win last week. Quarterback problems. How much trouble is Alabama in? And are we looking at the end of something special in Alabama under Nick Saban? Alabama is in dire straits right now, Greeny. Uh, I mean, they really have very little going for it. Uh, Saban uh, brought in Tommy Reese from Notre Dame, and uh, in, in, in three games, uh, the, the offensive coordinator has screwed up the quarterback situation about as badly as, well, maybe the Jets. Uh, it's, it's just impossible to talk about how, how poor things are right now. The offensive line uh, it has been a, a complete and total disaster. Uh, he's, he'll, he's starting Jalen Miller against Ole, Ole Miss. That's, a, that's the third quarterback. I mean, he, he started Milro, then he put in Buckner, then he put in Ty Simpson. Now he's back to Milro. It makes very little sense. I think Nick Saban is, is his career is teetering right now in the sense of you know where is it going to go? And if Lane Kiffin walks in there Saturday and beats him, the playoff hopes are over, and uh, people are going to really start doubting Saban's future. Wow. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I. I they're a mess. It just. I don't know any other way to put it. They don't play the game very well. They don't execute very well. The finer points of the science of football, Alabama doesn't do them very well. Oh, they can run you down. They got a quarterback and run right by you and shove you to the ground. But once you get sort of close, you saw it in the Texas game. You saw it a year ago in the Texas game. I was screaming about this stuff, and people told me to shut up. The greatest program ever. I go, well, they suck on D. They suck on offense. So they, once a team is, is somewhat equal athletically, you know, that's when you, it comes down to how well you play the game. That's blocking, tackling, kicking, penalties. It's just how well you play the game. You know, once you've got, you've got comparable athletes on each side of the ball, and you saw it against Texas. You know, th- there's another fine point to what, I don't know that I'm, I don't know what he means by his career is teetering. I'm not sure what that means on a scale. I mean, some of you may, I don't know what you think of that. But I'll tell you examples of how they just, if it were anybody else, you'd be talking about how horribly coached they are. I would. Something's wrong. The t- against Texas, the complete lack of discipline, not just in the penalties, not just in how the quarterback is taught and trained, but you take, for example, how easily the Texas tight end, who's a very good player, and you've got to account for him. He's a difference maker. How easily he was released, how easily he found space regularly. Regularly. In, in, in open spaces. And it's because Alabama is unbelievably predictable. They just, ru- everyone runs forward, and they don't account for the guy. It was just, it was, it was, it would blow your mind, technically, when you dissect football, that they are so undisciplined. Now, what Feinbaum is saying, yes, I agree, people are going to talk. Yes, I've said it a few times now that I think he has been, Saban has been somewhat saved publicly. And by the way, I don't know that he cares that much anymore. I've, I, I've, this is where I think there's a disconnect with Saban. He's become a nicer, older, I kind of like being on an ESPN version of himself. And I think it shows up on the football field. And I think he's actually pretty good on the air. And I, I, I think he's lost a little bit of that edge. 
That's understandable when you're that rich. Something's off in how they're trained. It's just not that good. Um, is his career teetering? I don't think he can do anything at this point to ruin the legacy. The, he put together numbers that I don't think will be touched. He put together championship runs at different schools that will be touched. So I, I think it's I think it's dramatic to pretend that the legacy is somehow lost. No way. If he means teetering now, I, I, I wish he would have explained. Um, yeah, people are now going to pay attention to be critical. I think people are going to start saying some of the stuff that I've been saying for a while. Um, it's going to be pretty glaring that they just really aren't put together very well. Does that mean he's more likely to get focused or more likely to bail? Maybe that's what Feinbaum means by teetering. And I think that's probably fair. Does the guy say, you know, man... I just I feel like doing something else. I just don't really, I don't have that anymore. I've lost that edge. That would make sense. But that's, those are pretty dramatic things. I mean, when you make it to sports center discussions about <laughs> how bad it is at Bama, this is another reason why I don't, I, I don't think Texas made the right move. I don't. Um, I don't think it's all that people think it is. But to have a conversation about him, quote, teetering, pretty remarkable. You know, then Feinbaum started talking about Deion Sanders. Um, the tone of the Sanders story, I don't think this is fair, but I do think on Monday when the swoosh beats them, I think the tone's going to change a little bit. It's just going to soften a little bit. You can't deny what Deion Sanders has done. His impact on the, on the sport is, I think, already undeniable. Um, I think it's really cool now that we've learned that the Big 12 paid them a bonus. I'd love to know if they knew if this happened before or after Deion Sanders was hired because that's $2.5 million of the best money you could spend. That's the story in the USA Today, that the Big 12 paid them a bonus. Only $2.5 bucks. That's lunch money for Texas. But think how much that is going to pay off until he leaves. I mean, that is, he, he is, I think Ed said that he compared him to Tiger Woods. It is. Economically, it's the same thing. Tiger Woods is in your golf tournament. Everyone makes more money. Colorado is in your league. Everyone should make more money. How would you describe the impact that Dion is having on college football? Greeny, I've covered college football for more than 40 years, and this is the biggest phenomenon I have ever seen. And there's nothing even close. I mean, we've had flashes of great players along the way, but, th but this has completely captured the sport for the first three weeks. It is capturing it this weekend. And Greeny, regardless of what happens in Oregon on Saturday afternoon, it will be right back in Boulder next week when Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley and USC show up. So that is five consecutive weeks uh, owning the sport, sucking all the oxygen. I mean, Nick Saban is struggling to be uh, and playing second fiddle. That's how big this is. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, the numbers back it up. I mean, they're just, the ratings are ridiculous. Games that end at midnight are getting bigger numbers than Texas and Alabama in prime time on ESPN. It, it is, uh, and now, now it really is remarkable to think that the Big 12, according to the USA Today, paid them a bonus to join the league of only two and a half million. I mean, just two and a half million. That's an assistant coach for Texas. That is, 
If you can get him to hang around, I I, I don't think he does. Um, but my gosh, you could turn around to a network right now because that's where the, that's how, where, it's where the money is generated. These are rights fees. You could turn around to Fox, who's already carried, you know, they were the first ones on board. You could turn around to them today and say, you know what we're going to do? We're going to make, uh, you can have Colorado in the 2 p.m. slot or 6 p.m. slot every week the rest of the year. Pay us $15 million more. They'd do it. That's what the Big 12 could do starting next year. Assuming things keep going, and I think they'll win six, and six will be cool, and their numbers are going to be big. But imagine right now you paid them a bonus, and you could go back to the table and say, hey, hey, Fox, uh, we got an idea. You already had this idea. So you guys feel free to put Colorado on every week, anytime you pick. You just pay us $20 million more. Well, what do the other members say? What do you mean what do the other members say? They're going to make $20 million more. They'll say whatever we tell them to say. That's what. And you do the deal. And they would jump at it. They would jump at that right now. You got them for $2.5 million. The guy... Um, I don't think the Pac-2 poor guys are going to... I don't know what they're going to do. At Jeff Ward Show. Kind of wishing y'all hadn't gotten back some of this hacking stuff straightened out before Songs That Suck Friday. Hey, you take that back. Brandon here has been working all night long on these systems just so he could start playing songs that suck. Yeah. Been putting together speaker wire. Manually. Yeah, manual. Went to Radio Shack. All night. Went to Radio Shack and got some speaker wire. Even Circuit City was open for me. (laughs) That's right. You walked in and said, man, we got to get some help. We've been hacked. What'd they get? Uh, just some nude photos. Everything. Our, nude photos of one of our hosts. That's it. At Jeff Ward Show. Hey, Jeff, can you give me the Saudi cell phone number? I have a ski racing team they can buy, and they pay me about $10 million to stay on board. <laughs> but that's the attitude everyone has. One of the most under-the-radar sport-washing stories is them buying the women's tennis tour. You do, you do find a little bit of a disconnect there, correct? I'm not exactly the most female-friendly regime there is. And Billie Jean King signed off on it. Hey, we need the money. We'll take it. At Jeff Ward Show. Jeff, exclamation point. John Waits Missing You was our song while you were gone. <laughs> Good Lord, man. Where do you think I <laughs> wasn't that gone? <laughs> but thank you, I guess. Uh, at Jeff Horcho. Hey, Jeff, can you have your eight-year-old come in and fix your computer issues? No offense to Brandon. Yeah, I guess we could try. She get help from the aliens, too. Yeah, the aliens, true. That's They probably did it. What am I talking about? That's who hacked us. They're just mad at me. Non-believer. Zap him. At Jeff Ward's show, I have a solution to the border problem and making the NFL and International League sell Texas to Mexico. Can you say the Dallas Vaqueros? (laughs) Has anyone ever heard me float the idea that I think a franchise should be in Monterey? I think there should be a Major League Baseball team there. But, okay. Is that politically incorrect? Are we going to get zapped again? Are we going to lose whatever technology we have now? 
then there's this at Jeff Ward show. Uh, Saudi Crown Prince, semicolon, sport washing will continue via ESPN app. Saudi Arabia openly admits to their sport washing. Yeah. No one's even there addressing, mentioning, reacting to my comment about what is it with Republicans and the Saudis now? I'm sorry, Fox News and the Saudis. They didn't they didn't go there by accident. I'm pretty sure the PR team of the Crown Prince knew exactly who he was talking to, and I'm pretty sure they told him it would be a friendly audience. My point is, why and when? When did that happen? I remember not that long ago listening to knuckleheads talk about invading mosques. Not now. The guy is, uh, he may get his own show on Fox News at the rate he's going. How about that one? The Crown Prince Hour, 5 to 6 on Fox.